Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to announce that I am taking on a new wave of coaching clients. So if you are interested in recovery coaching and receiving more support, then I would love to be of service to you. You can go to the link in the show notes and you'll be redirected to a Google form where you can enter into your email and I will be emailing you and That way we can have a free 15-minute consultation to talk and discuss what you're looking for and see if coaching would align with you. So thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I'm your host, Kate Noel. I love Honest Health and Wellness. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. If you are struggling please, please go see somebody who can help you, who can diagnose you, who can lead you to the right care and help you to overcome. This podcast episode is not a substitute for any professional help in that way. Definitely not um, something that can diagnose you. Um, So take this episode as information only and um, I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. My name is Kate Noel and I'm your host and today I'm going to be talking about the B word. (laughs) It's not bitch, it's bulimia. Um, I feel really inspired to talk about bulimia because I just don't think it's talked about enough Um, and it's something that I know a lot of my followers struggle with because I hear from y'all and it's something that I have a story with and an experience with and I think it's a lot more common than we tell ourselves and there's lots of different types of bulimia. Um, Okay, I'm not a clinician. But, you know, there's different, everyone has their own story with bulimia and um, what it looks like for them. And I just thought I would make this episode to just bring awareness to maybe hopefully make you feel less alone and share my story a little bit and then a little bit on kind of what helped me to overcome this extremely challenging behavior. Um... I will start by sharing a little bit more about my story. Actually, before I begin, um, if you're triggered by discussion about this, don't listen to this episode. Come back another time when you feel like you can if you ever want to. Um, I'm not going to go into detail too much, um, but hopefully opening up can make you feel less alone. I have been fully recovered from my eating disorder, which includes bulimia. Let's see, it's 2023. Um, I feel like I fully recovered, really, honestly, I think it's been about three and a half, four years. I kind of have said that for a while, so I'm not really sure if that's accurate anymore. Um, But I'm just going to say that. And I cannot even imagine going back to that life and going back to that behavior. And I remember thinking in the moments where I just remember thinking like, I cannot imagine getting through this. Like I used to be on the other side of the picture. 
So I hope that that gives you a, a sense of hope, um, just knowing that, knowing somebody else who has gone through it and was hopeless, I mean, so, so, so hopeless, and um, felt addicted and felt just trapped in the cycle. I was, I was like that for years of my life. Um, I don't know how many years, I guess it doesn't really matter, but it was many. And even if it, for you, it's not years, it doesn't matter how many days or times you experience bulimia, it's always hard. So just validating anyone out there is listening. Um, doesn't matter how many days of your life you've done this or that. Um, it's always tricky and always hard and always for me was filled with a lot of shame. So anyways, I was really hopeless and felt very trapped, very stuck. And now being on the other side, I can assure you that I'm really glad I pushed through and had enough, I guess, hope or motivation for my personal, in my personal life to, you know, push through and to stop. Um, because, it's so worth it. Like all the struggles and everything is really, really worth it. So I thought I would just share a little bit more about shame and, um, this sort of differentiate shame versus guilt, which I've done before, but shame is different than guilt because shame is something that we feel when we feel like we are the problem. Whereas guilt I think is more like something I did is the problem. And I think if we feel enough guilt, it can transcend into shame, especially when it comes to this topic. For my life, it did at least. And so I felt a, so ashamed of this disgusting, animalistic behavior I was doing every single day or most days, maybe sometimes many times a day. Um, and I felt like just a complete, I felt completely disembodied, completely out of my body. Um, those were the times of my life where I've never felt more disconnected from reality, from myself. Um, and it's very hard because, because it's, it's instant. It feels like an instant gratification, Right. Um, and that's what eating disorders are. They're all the promises of eating disorders. Well, maybe not all of them, but for me, a lot of them, most of them were about instant gratification. I really didn't think about the long-term, my long-term life at all. Like back in the day, I really, when I was really struggling, I, I couldn't even conceptualize time. Like I couldn't even conceptualize my future. Um, I was so stuck that I couldn't conceptualize my future. When I say that now, it actually makes me kind of emotional because I feel really bad for myself. Um, anyways, and I feel bad for anyone out there who's in that. It's really hard to be in that spot. Um, so when it comes to shame, I hope that I hope that we can use this shame and reframe it into motivation to overcome this and that's not necessarily like easy, like black and white, like here's how you do that. But I remember thinking this is this behavior, this lifestyle, whatever we, I want to call it not a lifestyle, this behavior, this eating disorder is making me feel like shit. I mean, every day I just felt terrible. And regardless of if I did it 
X, Y, Z or not. I just felt like shit all the time, physically, mentally, emotionally. And I remember thinking, wow, there are, life is talking to me every single day and telling me, you don't want to do this. Your throat hurts. Your fingers, you're choking. You know, you don't want to do this anymore. Um, it's gross. You don't like this. You, you're seeing stars, like whatever it was. Like I, I remember thinking, wow, life is really talking to me every single day. And I hit my wall and I used to do this thing where I would say like, you know what? This is the last day I'm ever going to do this. And then I would count the days and I would say, oh my gosh, it's been a month or it's been a week or it's been three days, whatever kind of like new goal I was working towards. And then I, some, then I, it would happen, maybe it would happen again. I'd be like, oh my God, like I'm a terrible person. I would feel like I would take like a million steps backwards. And if you're in that cycle, here's what I did to stop. I started to focus on the positive and that was the only way I could transcend my shame into motivation. So instead of saying to myself, I mean, I don't think it's necessary to count the days, but I know it's really hard to not. Instead of saying to myself, I went a week without doing this. Shame on me. I did it again and I'm going to do it forever. I would think, Kate, you did something so cool. You went a week or, or, you know, you haven't thought about this or you resisted the urge or whatever it was like you did something that you've never done before like you've stepped into the unknown in a way that you have never done before in your whole life or not in your whole life but in a long time and and that is so powerful and and I would use the positive and even if like it wasn't necessarily like a linear it wasn't for me a linear uh path as in like Oh, like I didn't do it for a week and then I didn't do it for two weeks and then three weeks. It's like, no, it wasn't like that at all. There were times where I felt absolutely kind of just trapped again, but I would have to just constantly remind myself that like making your story right, like constantly reminding myself that every single day is a, a new opportunity and B like, I, like learning, like learning from your experiences. That's something that is so important is, is I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but learning from your experience and looking back and not thinking, looking back and thinking shame on me, but looking back and thinking, what is life telling me in these moments? Um, so hopefully that can help you to, to transcend shame into motivation by focusing on the positive things that you're doing. And I'm going to go through kind of more ways you can do that, but it can be something as small, as small as, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think a thought today or like, it doesn't have to be so black and white. Like I didn't do this behavior today. It can be something like I, um, meditated about it in the morning or I, I told somebody today or I resisted. I don't know. It doesn't have to, it can be small. Like it can, it can feel like a small thing. Side note, Really making small victories in your life meaningful will change your life. Like making the small little wins throughout your day, even if they're mundane or if you've done them before, is life-changing to do that. Um, okay, I'm going to now kind of switch over to some 
I guess tips, I don't really know what else to call them, on how I stopped. Um, I don't remember how I stopped. <laughs> um, no, I do. I mean, I remember things I did, but just so you know, it's gonna, this, I don't want this list to sound like I'm a superhero and I like <laughs> had a super easy journey or anything like that. Um, I know it's really challenging and um, I don't actually fully like remember everything. I think my mind blocked some of this stuff out because it doesn't need it anymore. Um, but anyways, I do remember some stuff. Also, I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist, a dietitian, a clinician. Okay. This is just my personal experience. Give myself five, 10, 20 minutes if I felt tempted. So if I ever felt tempted to start, um, any sort of behavior, I would try my best to give myself five minutes and then I would try myself, try my best to give myself 10 minutes and then maybe even 20 minutes. Um, and you can set a little timer. This isn't always something that helped me, but it's something I've heard about and it's something that did work for me sometimes. So I think it's a good option. And if it's something that works really well for you and I think like releasing expectations with this sort of thing is probably really good because, um, like I said, focusing on the positive, like even if you can give yourself five minutes just of breathing and relaxing, usually the wave will at least lessen or pass. Um, and then you can take some deep breaths and do whatever else you need to do. Sometimes it helped me to put my legs up the wall. Um, I don't know why, but it felt like a very comforting position for me. And it still does. I love legs up the wall. Okay. Um, I also meditated specifically about this. Um, so I would meditate like twice a day. Like sometimes like, I would definitely do it in the morning because the morning really set me up. Like I really felt like mornings were like a fresh start for me. I mean, they kind of are, um, at least with this. And I could um, really allow myself to meditate specifically on honoring my body on, um, letting myself eat and, um, you know, imagining like, like affirming myself, like affirming that I deserve to eat, that I'm, my body is not some sort of experiment and, um, whatever my body's telling me like hunger wise and, and stuff is, is real and it's valid. Um, so meditating really, really helped me. It just helped me so, so much to connect with myself in that way. And it always set me up for a better day, regardless of what happened throughout the day. The next thing that helped me a lot is kind of writing down my process. Um, cause I think when we're, I know when I was in my, what it felt like animalistic, untethered, just completely out of my body experience, experiences when I, when I was in, the, in it, I would not be conscious of anything I was doing. Absolutely no mindfulness, absolutely no sense of what was happening, what time it was, what I was leaving out on the counter, what the repercussions were. I had no clue what I was doing. So what I did was after the fact, I would, maybe not right away, but eventually 
I would look back and think, what did I do? What are these patterns? What is a typical um, like behavior situation look like for me? What's the first step, the second step, the third step, the fourth step? Obviously, that might be a little bit different every time, but in general, what are the steps that I'm taking? That in itself is revolutionary for me, was revolutionary for me, because it was the first time I was able to look back at what had happened or what was happening and actually like evolve from it and actually be conscious of what I was doing, which is like mind-blowing when you bring consciousness into a, f- a, a moment or moments that have zero consciousness to them. And then even better, if you go back and look at your step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and write down all the steps you take and then write down um, any sort of interventions you can throughout the whole process. That way you know that you can intervene any step of the way. Meaning, even if you just, quote, started, you can stop. Even if you're all the way almost to the very end or anything, or anything, you can stop or you can have some self-care afterwards. Like taking, that's, this could be another point, but taking care of yourself after is huge. Huge. You can't change the past. So take care of yourself. Give yourself some, some love and hugs. Okay. The next thing is to change your environment. Um, yeah, changing my environment was huge. I think this kind of goes hand in hand with the next one, which is be more social, especially with eating, like socially eat more or just like go to your friend's houses at night or whenever you feel like it's typical for you to engage, like get out of your environment, be more social, um, really work on, you know, just switching it up. It's pretty amazing what changing your environment can do for you and for us. And, and so that's something that is super powerful for, that was super powerful for me. And then the last thing that was pretty revolutionary for me in my journey was to get to know what it felt like to be full. That's it. Not making it a bigger deal than it is. Get to know what it feels like to be pretty full. Get to know what it feels like to be very full. Get to know what it feels like to be satisfied. Because those are different. So get to know what it feels like to feel fullness. And sit with it and digest and let it pass. It's normal. And I think when for me, when I was in this realm of my life, fullness was unacceptable. It didn't feel comfortable. And... It was so triggering. So I had to learn to accept it, embrace it. And now I love it. I love being full. I mean, I don't know if I love being full, but I feel I love being satisfied. And I like the feeling of fullness because it um, means that I'm well-fed. And that's something I really love. So I like the associations with fullness. And I, I guess I like the feeling too. Okay. Those are my tips. Um, I hope that you enjoyed but wait, this podcast is not over. <laughs> I um, I wanted to kind of bring in my following on Instagram into this episode because, again, I think it's really important that we don't feel isolated in this. So I asked my followers their thoughts and feelings and experiences on bulimia, and I thought I would share some people's 
Um, I'm not sure if I can share everyone's, but let's see. Somebody said, I've been in recovery from bulimia for about three years now. One thing I experience a lot is having what were supposed to be happy memories jaded by bulimia. Needing to purge after celebrating and indulging tainted a lot of these memories for me and has been my biggest motivator moving forward. I want to remember the happy memories for what they were without the shame and guilt of purging clouding them. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, and I agree. Um, it's so beautiful to be able to celebrate with your with people in your life or with yourself and be able to really incorporate food into that picture. Um, it feels so, 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 so good. So that's so beautiful. A lot of people said, it's horrible. It sucks. It's terrible. And yeah, tis. Somebody said I was diagnosed with bulimia, not because I threw up, but because I had a lots of other compensation behaviors like overexercising, excessive cleansing, diuretics, laxative type abuse, restricting fasting. Um, so if you can include in your episode, that there's many ways to purge calories. Yes. Um, I'm with you. I, I think it's so common to assume that bulimia is all about throwing up. Um, but it's, it's really any compensatory behavior, um, that is used to quote purge calories. And, um, not only does it look different for everyone, like in the sense of like what specific things they're doing. There are many different body types and it doesn't have a specific look. That's really, really important. A lot of people said they're super triggered by stress, which is so, so common. Um, same. I think finding other ways to cope is my, my, um, advice, which is not easy to do. Um, but it's very real. A lot of people actually said, my thoughts are that it can be overcome and life is so much better. It's alienating, but there's lots of hope. Um, a lot of people said there's, it's really quick to fall into and hard to get out of, but very possible. I got a lot of people also talk, um, say that it's not treated as serious as other types of eating disorders. And it's kind of like a second option for people who feel like they can't, um, you know, have, they can't, they don't have the willpower to have, um, like maybe like anorexia, um, which is a really interesting thing to think about. And that was kind of my experience too. It feels like eating an eating disorder brain and my eating disorder brain. I used to think that restricting was so, was like the highest achievement. And then bulimia felt like so shameful because I felt like I had a lack of willpower. Like I couldn't restrict, um, which is I think a really common thing and kind of twisted. All eating disorders are valid. Someone said, I don't know if this is a stupid question, but did your teeth get ruined by, bule by bulimia? That's not a stupid question. Um, my teeth, luckily did not. I feel so, 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 so lucky. Somebody said telling one person was the best thing I ever did. It was a snowball effect after that. That's really cool. I think telling somebody is way more powerful than we realize. I got some feedback that people were saying they wish more people knew that it didn't have anything to do with food or it doesn't always have everything to do with food. Rather, feelings of shame, loneliness, guilt, um, 
you know, what's underneath the food thoughts and what might be actually driving the disorder, maintaining the eating disorder outside of food. I'm talking about my entire story of my whole eating disorder, and there were times of my eating disorder where I had anorexia binge purge subtype, which is not the same as a diagnosis of bulimia. So really important to go see somebody who can diagnose you properly. Um, Yeah, that's super, super important um, just so that you're not diagnosing yourself and um, it can be really validating. So just want to mention that. A couple of people said my thought is that I feel a hundred times more triggered when I drink. Yeah, that is a whole other thing. <laughs> I mean, that is so, so real. I totally understand. It's really interesting how um, like vomiting is um, really normalized in drinking culture. Um, and so is fasting, honestly. And those are two forms of compensatory behaviors I think are really common. And, um, and yeah, so it's definitely an interesting dynamic and situation. Um, I truly am so, so, so glad that I'm not drinking excessively like I used to be because that was certainly a trigger for me. It's really good to recognize that as a trigger. A lot of people said, seems like a never ending cycle. Yeah, it is. I hope this episode gives you hope because it is an, there is an end to it. That is like eating disorders are not our homeostasis. They're not where our bodies and minds want to be. There's a reason it causes so much pain and shame and bad feelings. And that's because it's not our homeostasis. It's not where we're meant to be. So I think just remembering that our bodies want to get back to homeostasis and um, they can. Wow. Thank you all for participating in my little question box on Instagram. If you want to get on, on the next one, my Instagram is at Kate Noel underscore underscore. Um, I hope that this episode helped you feel validated. I think remember that my experience is so, so different than your experience, than you, the person, another person listening to this experience. Again, um, I'm not a clinician or a therapist or anything like that. This is just a little bit, um, about me and what helped me and my story. Um, thank you so, so much for tuning in and, um, let's release that shame. (laughs) Um, keep going on your journey and I will see you all on the next episode of take the cake.